0: For listening to, give me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Compromise. Hello my radio friends, I'm so glad you've joined me today and I'm glad God loves us and has mercy on sinful human beings which includes both you and me. A highly respected Christian author whose name is E.G. White has written this powerful statement, the greatest want of the world is the want of men. Men who will not be bought or sold. Men who in their inmost souls are true and honest. Men who do not fear to call sin by its right name. Men whose conscience is as true to duty as the needle to the pole. Men who will stand for the right though the heavens fall. Unlike the qualities of the people described in the statement, we live in a society that is full of compromise. Our politicians want us to vote for them, so they make rock-solid promises and then when the election is over, they proceed to backpedal and give reasons why they have to break their promises. They've compromised. And at the same time, They compromise our trust. We see compromise in marriage. A couple gets married and at the wedding each promises the other to be faithful. But far too often those wedding vows are broken and there's a lot of anger, frustration and hurt for the parties involved, especially for children. Only about three in five marriages last in this country. And then you have the general honesty of the population. Many people are involved in petty crime, for example stealing little things from their employers, using the telephone for their own purposes, wasting time or using their employers time to serve their own self-interests. A teacher I once knew went so far as to falsify the children's school reports. At a parent teacher night he told each parent that their child was in the top four in the class. It turns out that he had a class of about 25 children. In his case, Truth was severely compromised. You'll be happy to know that soon afterwards, it was revealed what he had been doing, and he was sacked. Not only is truth being compromised, but morals are being compromised. Many children and teenagers, instead of learning moral behaviour from their parents, are getting their moral values from TV soap operas, such as Home and Away, Two and a Half Men, Seinfeld, and the like. These programs are designed for entertainment and they teach that it's okay to cheat, to lie, to deceive and to form relationships for short-term pleasure. Such programs are nothing but cheap garbage. They do more harm than you might think. A survey was once conducted to ascertain... What motivated movie directors to produce such rubbish films? Films which include violence, adultery, crime, deception, moral breakdown and other negative impact things. The response was surprising. The movie makers unanimously said, We give the people what they want. I somehow doubt whether their response was true. It is possible to make movies that include true stories with good values, but such films are a rarity. If you think about it, we live in a world where relations are compromised, values are compromised, morals are compromised Entertainment is compromised, and just about everything else is compromised. The dollar, rather than truth, seems to form the moral standards of society. When people put aside the Bible and forsake its teachings, compromise is inevitable. Compromise becomes the status quo, the norm. But God has given clear guidelines to follow. Those guidelines are summarized in God's Ten Commandments to Human Beings. And those commandments are to be found in the book of Exodus, chapter 20. The rights of individuals, the rights of others, and the basis of maintaining a healthy society are explained in these commandments. We live in a largely secular society and the more secular society becomes the more decadent it becomes. There is a massive need in our society to return to the Bible, to return to God and to return to the values that the Bible outlines. As E.G. White so succinctly put it, There is a great need for people to act in accordance with biblical values. But compromise doesn't just happen outside the church, in the world at large. It happens within the church as well. How often have I heard the statement that the Ten Commandments have been done away with and therefore there is no necessity to keep them? God never even hinted that would, that would be any change to his royal law. It would remain intact while there was heaven and earth. Didn't Jesus say, as recorded in Matthew 5, verse 17 to 19, Do not think I've come to destroy the law of the prophets. I've not come to destroy, but to fulfill For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. At least one religious group I know about has compromised God's word by saying that the Ten Commandments were done away with when Jesus died on the cross. But then, some time later, nine of the Ten Commandments were reinstated. You know, that is a blatant lie. As nowhere has the Bible said the Ten Commandments were abolished, and nowhere does it say they were then reinstated. What was abolished were the ordinances regarding the temple services, especially relating to sin offerings. After Jesus sacrificed his own life, there was no further need to make animal sacrifices. There are many so-called Christians who have compromised God's word and their own beliefs by acceptance of what I've just told you about the so-called abolition of the Ten Commandments. But compromise has gone even further. One of the vows a witness must make when giving evidence in a court of law is to tell the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. But many people are uncomfortable with the whole truth and only keep the bits they like. To use the vernacular, they cherry pick the truth. Truth can make people uncomfortable. Truth, if accepted, will cause you to make changes in your life. Truth can even cause you to make sacrifices 1 Timothy chapter 4 verses 3 and 4 talks about this cherry picking the apostle paul wrote this for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires because they have itching ears they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So, as a result of that that very thing happening, many people who claim to be Protestants no longer have anything to protest about. They only hear what they want to hear. They listen to what makes them feel comfortable, if something makes them feel uncomfortable, they don't want to hear it and they support ministers who don't rock the boat. As a result of these give us what we want to hear teachings, people are compromised in what they believe and in what they should know. They are further compromised by having a less than complete understanding of the Scriptures. The whole truth for them is undesirable. The good news of salvation becomes a message of not much more than about social behaviour. The power of God's word is not very evident in such people's lives. I frequently meet with a large group of Protestant men, men who seem to have a heart for God and who spend time in fellowship and in organized study of God's word. What surprises me is the lack of depth of understanding of the scriptures that many of these men have. And why is that? Some of these men have attended church for many years, yet they know very little. The reason is that they've been taught very little and have not been encouraged to dig into the Word of God to find out more. They are and have been compromised, yet some of these men are very sincere. We'll stop for a moment, have a little break, and come back straight afterwards.
1: I am thinking today of that beautiful land I shall reach when the sun goeth down. By the wonderful grace. Of my Saviour I stand Will there be any stars in my crown? Will there be any stars, any stars in my crown? When at evening the sun goeth down Will I wait with the blessed in the mansions of rest? stars in my crown And the strength of the Lord Let me labor in praise Let me watch as a winner of souls That the stars may be mine In the glorious days When His praise like the sea billows roll Stars in my crown. When evening the sun goeth down, will I wake with the bliss in the mansions of rest? Will there be any stars in my crown? Joy it will be When his face I behold Living gems At his feet To lay down I would sweeten My bliss In that city of gold Will there be Any stars In my crown Will there be Any stars any stars in my crown when at evening the sun goeth down
0: Just before the break, I was telling you about a group of men that I frequently meet with who are somewhat um, ignorant about much of what the Bible has to say. And yet, they're very sincere. You know, I've heard the leader of this men's group earnestly tell the assembled men that they must honour God by keeping his commandments. Yet that same leader ignores the fourth commandment and is happy to substitute another day of worship in place of the one God specified. He and anyone else who ignores what God has commanded compromises their beliefs and compromises God's word, the Bible. And I'm perfectly aware of the fact that there are many very sincere Christians who put aside the specific command of God and readily accept something else instituted by man, not God. But Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And that's found in John fourteen fifteen. And then what he said is followed up in the book of First John chapter 2 and verses 2 and 3 where the Bible says, Now by this we know him, the Lord, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Yet with all this, the Bible makes it abundantly clear that no one will be saved by keeping the commandments. The commandments had not been put in place for that reason. The Ten Commandments were instituted to show people what to do and what not to do. The Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians 3, verse 24, "'The law was our schoolmaster,' or our instructor, to bring us to Christ. That simply means that the law points out sin. We sin when we break or transgress the law. And the only way we can be right again with God is when we come to Christ, confess our sins, and receive his forgiveness. There are some who try to compromise what the Bible teaches by saying, but uh, didn't Jesus state the law as loving God and loving our fellow man or our neighbor? Yes, he did. But loving God and loving our neighbor is a summary of the Ten Commandments. And then Jesus added a new dimension to keeping the law. Obeying the Ten Commandments was not and is not to be a cold, clinical, legalistic thing, like a point-scoring exercise. It is to be done out of gratitude. We keep God's law because we are saved, not to be saved. I want to say that again. We keep God's holy law because we are saved, not to be saved. I want you to note carefully that Jesus kept the Ten Commandments. He quoted them and he supported them. And in Matthew 5 he explained them in greater detail. Twice as recorded in the Gospels, Jesus was approached by people wanting to know what they must do to be saved. One was a rich young ruler, the other was a Jewish lawyer. With each incident, Jesus said to them that they should keep the commandments. And to make sure they knew what he meant, he quoted some of the commandments you would have rightly thought that if the commandments were to be abolished at Calvary, Jesus would have told his disciples all about it. The commandments were very important in Jewish culture. It is a sad fact that the traditions of men have become more important for many people than the word of God. All this business about abolishing the law is a clumsy attempt to compromise. There is no command, not even a hint anywhere in the Bible, that the holy day of the week should be anything other than the seventh day, Saturday. Many Sunday uh, Sunday worshippers admit that, but tradition holds them in its vice. They know what to do, yet they do not do it. To know what to do and not to do it is sin. To do anything other than what you know to be right is compromise. If you are someone who recognises that you must honour God by keeping the Sabbath as outlined in the Bible, but don't quite know how or where, Contact us, and we are willing to help you. Otherwise, feel free to attend a Seventh-day Adventist church. There are quite a few in the metropolitan area and spread across South Australia. In the church I attend, we have quite a number of people who came from off the street, looking for a group of sincere, Sabbath-keeping Christian believers. The same has been the case with other Adventist churches. You need to do what God's Word tells you. Don't compromise. Remember the quotation I shared with you at the beginning of today's program? Here it is again. The greatest want of the world is the want of men, men who will not be bought or sold men who in their inmost souls are true and honest, men who do not fear to call sin by its right name, men whose conscience is as true to duty as the needle to the pole, men who will stand for the right though the heavens fall. That's the sort of person a Christian should be. My dear friends, don't be afraid. Do what is right. Don't compromise when it comes to God's word. Well, that's it for today, and I hope you will join me again next time. Until then, I wish you courage, courage to do what is right, and I also wish you joy. And peace.